Hello, welcome to the World Cafe Podcast. This podcast has been designed with curated content that centers on the power of words. Can we really do anything without speaking? Can we really do anything without the agency of words? Yes, that is what this podcast is all about. And I am your host, Amakri Isoboye, your neighborhood word trader. I believe in the power of words, for it is the unit of creation. I trade in words to profit my world. Amazing. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Yes, you know the way we say it on the show. Ah, we're back again into that space. Yes, the World Cafe, where we come in to lean on one another. Yes, and learn from our experiences to forge a new path. Yes, amazing. How are you doing? Well, I'm cool. I'm beautiful over here, you know. The Federal Capital Territory has been pretty hot back in Nigeria, but we are in that season called the raining season where you have the rains and all that, but slightly humid here. Yes, in the Federal Capital Territory, beautiful, but you know, that will not stop us from coming into the space to share with one another. What are we doing today? Yes, you can see it on the screen already. Remote walking in Nigeria. A lot has been happening in that space. Yes, across the globe, things are changing. The pattern, the style, the way we go about working, the way we go about embracing work. They call it VUCA. Yes. So I have somebody very important, wonderful. I've been going after this individual for a while now to get on the show for us. Yes, is a she. You heard me for us to talk and all that. And today she just said, yes. Max, let's do this. Mm, who is this person? Well, I'll give you a little background, then I'll bring her in. Her name is Tari. Tari is her name. When she comes on, I'll let her do all the other bit of herself. She's a HR professional, seasoned, I must say. Enough of my gist. I know you want to hear her voice. You want to see her. Where is she? Where is she? There she Hi. is. <laughs> Hi, Tari. How are you? Yeah. Hi, Amaki. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. I'm Thank beautiful. You. I'm beautiful. Pleasure. Thank you for coming into the space and, you know, to share with us. Yes, the way I normally do it, I tell my guests, nobody knows you like you. So, in as much <laughs> as I call your name and all that, I allow you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. So, who is Tari? Let's get to know her. Okay. Okay. My name is Tari, um, Tari Akibi, and um, currently, I mean, my I, I work as the head of HR, uh, general manager, HR and corporate services for Walter State. But um, about my background, um, career-wise, I am a lawyer, a lawyer by training. I practiced okay. law for about two years, and I found it very difficult, honestly. As much as I, I thoroughly um, was inspired by being a lawyer and worked hard to become one, by the time I actually started, the Nigerian system showed me a different side of being a lawyer. So I, I, <laughs> I ended up um, in Shell. So I started out in Shell actually, um, and now it's actually over 20 years now. So my HR experience. Oh. Yes, yes. So I worked in Chicago for about um, 18 years, and then I moved over to um, Walter Smith Petroman Oil Limited as as the head of HR, where I have been now for the past three 
three years or thereabout. Yes, so so that's really about me. I I have always been a people's person, an advocate type person. So that's why I even chose law in the first place. I most person in things around justice and you know doing what's right and doing things properly. It was not unusual that even when I left um, the legal profession, I would end up in HR. And, and it's really a beautiful journey so far. It's been worthwhile, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. You've been in oil and gas. You know, from what you're saying now, you did law. I mean, you practiced law for like two years, but you found yourself in this oil and gas space for like over 18 years plus. So what's, I mean, what's the oil and gas like for you, you know, considering it is our main economic state here in Nigeria? What has it been like for you? Okay, um, the oil and gas industry is a very um, interesting one, particularly in Nigeria, because and I'm going to talk specifically on two levels, right? On the first okay. level of of just as an industry, and mm-hmm. the other level of of the level of professionalism in the industry. Now, the oil and gas industry, as we know, is one of, if not the only, really uh, mainstay of of uh, economic value as it were yeah. in our country, Nigeria. Yeah. So um, Nigeria has found oil well over 100 years ago. It has been our mainstay. At one time, I think we're like one of the third or top, at least top five producing company, um, countries in the world and yeah. all of that. So the interesting thing about the oil and gas industry is it's, 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 it's as it's called now, the energy industry. And you know how energy is. Energy affects everything. Energy makes things move. Energy is the core of any economy. I mean, right now we keep complaining about if only we had power, if only we had certain infrastructure in place, you know, the economy would move much faster. So as a result of that, I think I can credibly say that the energy, the oil and gas industry is a core mainstay industry in Nigeria today. And and as far as I'm concerned, I may be biased, but it's one of actually the best sectors to be. In any economy, you actually want to be working in the sector that drives the economy, that drives the country. Because then what happens, you're in the forefront of making changes, you're in the forefront of what's going on, and you're smack in the middle of, you know, exactly how the country operates. So if we know a bit about Nigeria, we know that it's every time we hear a budget, we want to know what's allocated to the oil and gas industry, how yeah. much is oil price, everything actually is tied to that. So that's on the, you know, on that part as an industry. Now, yeah. coming to the part as a career professional, again, um, once you are a part of, of the engine of the economic system of a country, what you yeah. find also is that um, as, as a career professional, you're also working, as it were, in the forefront of how things should be. Um, as far as I know, um, the oil and gas industry sets a standard for True. practice in you know various areas, legal practice, for the HR practice, for, for financial practices in, in the country. And I recall even as uh, all the time I worked in Shell, we would have as it were, um, criteria or requirements are higher than actually what the law required. So mm-hmm. I found it honestly quite, quite exciting. It's always nice to be in that, you know what I mean, in that particular industry that is yeah. it's creating the change, creating the movement and creating the, the making the economy move forward, actually. Beautiful. Now, you, you just touched on something, change and HR. 
And as a HR practitioner, I know you deal with change practically on a daily basis. So t- tell us a little about the change you, your organization, you're experiencing in this as in here and now. As in, Tell us a little about that. Okay. Honestly, as far as I'm concerned, HR and change are like two peas in a pod, simply because um, change largely is brought about human experience. And what does the HR professional do? Just manage the human experience, really. That's when it comes down to the bottom line. That's really what it is. Uh, before I talk about like the last few years, what I'm currently, let me just kind of just give some sort of what I consider the key milestone, interesting parts of the oil and gas industry over Thank this you. last 20 years I have, I have worked there. So when I entered the workforce in, in, in 2000, and, 2000, and, um, 2000 actually, when I entered the workforce in 2000, we were just beginning to, what's that word, um, um, 2000, 2001, we're just beginning to get into the computer age. It was yeah. just, we're just on the cusp of it. I remember coming to do my test and my test was a computer-based test to get into the yeah. time. And I recall being in that room and there were some people that by, that by just seeing a computer already Before. were stabilized. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was it was quite an interesting time. Interestingly, my dad had, who, who, who is an academician, had kind of seen ahead and before we left school, he had put us through um, some computer training. So I already had the basics. And I think I, I, I that really helped because I could clearly see across the rooms of people who were already uncomfortable with yeah. just seeing the computer. But then where do we start? Yeah. What do we do? And I say that just to buttress the point that I entered the workforce at a time of a very critical you know, change as well. Yeah. So fast forward a few years, um, say um, five years down the line, then we begin to have this thing in the in the um, oil and gas industry around diversity. That conversation begins to have, begins to come up. What are we talking yeah. about diversity? There was all the talk around, first of all, in Nigeria, does the the shell workforce does it um, reflect the that diversity of the country? And you know that conversation started. It morphed and morphed and morphed into the women movement, you know, mm-hmm. and all sorts of things came from that. That was another very interesting time of change, you know. It changed the way we work. It changed the way we thought about things. Changed a whole, you know, uh, lot of things and uh, as well. Finally, I would say in the last, um, uh, let's say in the last quarter of, uh, when I left left um, my my shell career, we were now in the in the era of real volatility because <laughs> mm-hmm. I remember then we had the real dips on the oil price. The oil price was yeah. now no longer something that we could rely on on a very you know long term basis. Um, we now needed to be thinking a bit more short term, three year, five year, you know that kind of yeah. thinking that indeed changed the way we had to think about you know manpower management how do you man- manage manpower through the ebb and flow and the increase and decreases of you know the oil price so that's yeah. one of the changes that came through finally in the last couple of years i would say the greatest change i think of my career and experience was covid <laughs> covid <laughs> Um, <laughs> a defining moment, not only in uh, on, on a local level in terms of how we manage people, 
exactly all over the world so so those are for me the clear sort of you know on a rough rough basis um changes i have seen over the course of um, my career now now listening to you one, one can break there's uh these changes into three segments like you rightly said the advent of the what i i wouldn't say okay i use that word the computer age you know we're all in this part of the world embracing compute i mean the computing system moving away from typewriter short handwriting and all that then we saw the fluctuation of the oil price that that was another segment then we're now seeing what I call it the sledgehammer change that is yeah. COVID as it were now the change on this level is like uh, a quantum leap kind of change oh, it yeah. to be <laughs> way up there now yeah. tell me from your experience moving from the first change com- you know getting to know the computer the second change oil price then this COVID for the COVID how have you been managing your workforce because it's like 2020 everybody just went into somewhere hiding but somehow businesses need to you know we need, we just need to work so how did you go about it how did you get your people you know to to to, to work you know and get yes and you know get the company going how did you do that okay um for so i mean i introduced myself at the beginning i'm the head of hr for walter smith petro manuel company and and walter smith um has a couple of other companies as well, which you know I manage generally as a group. Okay. It has been honestly the most defining and interesting time of my career. This mm. last three or so years have yeah. had you you know how in your career some things you do them over eight years. But in this last three years, the kind of things I've had to do has just been, as far as I'm concerned, just phenomenal and interesting. I'll tell you what, why. Okay, so I, I got into Watersmith and we're undergoing some sort of um, organizational um, reorganization. And it was a really big okay. reorganization. It, it was a whole lot right from the structure to bringing in a top-level leadership, to reorganizing the way we work, to even moving fiscal offices all mm-hmm. in us all now into one location. Yeah. Now I started in Walter Smith in the in mid-2019. And at all that, you know, we handled all that and all that was going on, right? Right. In 2020, as the year broke, as it were, uh, <laughs> before before I had come into the company, there had been the plan of setting up a refinery as okay. a different business. So mm-hmm. as the year broke in 2020, we're ready to go and, you know, deliver the refinery and, you know, mm-hmm. make it happen. And a lot of work was going on. Yeah. Now the year the year started. We started doing recruitments. We started doing you know all sort of all sort of manpower activities. activities. We have second people from Walter Smith Petroman to the refinery. All that work was going on, and you know we're really gearing to go. All of a sudden, COVID happens. I I recall <laughs> the day we actually just you know got the news flash. It's in Nigeria. We need to do something different. In fact, I was on my way to work. I spoke to my CEO then. Uh, my CEO, my current CEO, still my CEO, um, Chicken Woods. I was like, we need yeah. to call a meeting. And as I got into the office, we called the meeting. I recall very clearly the meeting was for ten o'clock. Between eight and ten, we had to pull a slide pack together. What yeah. are we going to do? How are we going to manage this now? At that time, 
at that time, um, um, the okay, so facility management is under my portfolio, right? Okay. So yep. the most important thing we needed to be sure that that needed to happen was that our facility was protected because mm -hmm. and was protected and the staff within the facility particularly yes we're also protected because you know how it was then once one person tested positive everywhere was shut down and the government exactly. came in cdc was on your case so we needed to be sure that that was not going to happen so within two hours of that morning or one and a half hours because i think the meeting started at 10 i worked with my colleague and we you know, just belted out some sort of information on a slide mm -hmm. pad. And we had it, our first meeting. And it, I just remember it so clearly. It was really, really interesting. So we explained what we knew. We know a certain um, one person has been tested positive and on and on. Mm -hmm. After after a month, this was February, in March, yeah. it became clear that everybody was going on lockdown, right? So we began right. to think, what are we going to do? There were a few things that were clear, which is what 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 I think anyone, any leader needs to do in that situation. You need to be clear about what you will still continue to do. And one okay. thing we're clear about was as means that the refinery was going to get launched and we're going to do it somehow, right? So right. we all moved home. Of course, we did the usual thing everybody did. You supply internet access, you know, you increase your bandwidth, you give people phones and, you know, infrastructure to work at home. But what became most interesting, which for the first time in my career I had to do was I recruited, I mean, I think this was, I mean, cumulatively maybe about 40 people all mm. online. I had people resuming online. I had online. Online, you know, if you recruit forty people, you know how many interviews you needed to do to recruit forty people, right? Exactly. Because we're literally manning, manning the refinery from from scratch, pretty much. We just had a handful of people that have moved from petrol manning to the refinery to you know start up the work. But every other person we're literally recruiting. We did in we did phone interviews, Zoom interviews, all wow. sorts of interviews, and we went through that whole process and we finally launched the refinery in October and okay. I, I honestly I found that one of the most exciting things in America I had people resuming I hadn't seen I had mm -hmm. people you know I, I mean I mean seen, I hadn't seen physically Basically, we yeah. onboarding, onboarding online we did online. all their events online we needed to sort out how people get into the field how do they get tested and all of that so yeah. and while doing that we needed to maintain um you know, some sort of cohesiveness as well. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you don't want people feeling isolated, so you need to ensure yeah. that the culture is still in place, people still feel welcome. So you're making so many phone calls, and you know, that was so exciting, really exciting, honestly. The other part that first year, 2020, was for the first time ever, we had a Christmas party online. online. Uh, Lord, how are we going to do this? Because <laughs> usually, you know how the, the end of your party is like, you know, where everybody comes together. Everybody comes together, yes. Thing. Was, how are we going to do this? But we did it. It felt strange when we started. But, I mean, along the line, we had fun. Uh, we mm -hmm. delivered food to everybody's house. So everybody was honored. And it was just, you know, really quite, uh, quite an interesting time. It was really, really quite an interesting time. Now, listening to you, it's like, uh, you can write a whole book on this, I, I, I this topic, that. you know, a whole book like your experience and all that. Now, the remote working 
from your point of view, because everything you stated here now is like from 2019, automatically you, you just went into that remote working mode and somehow you grappled, you, you dealt with one or two things, but it's like you've come around it now. Yeah, yeah. The, the way you're expressing yourself is like you guys are enjoying remote working now as in tell i mean l- let's hear this do you think nigeria as a country and our organizations and all that were ready for this from your experience it's, it's a funny question and uh, this is how i like to look at it. it's not about being ready it just has to happen so you know you 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 know in a vocal world you need to look at what needs to happen not whether you're ready for it so you first look at can we define the VUCA? Because some people were like, what is Tari talking about? What is VUCA? Is there a new slang in, uh, in Nigeria or something? <laughs> can you go ahead and, you go ahead and define the it. The volatile, uncertainty, yeah. Yeah. complex, and yeah. ambiguous situation. Perfect. That's, <laughs> that's it. So in, in, a, in a VUCA world, I think you, you just need to be clear about what's changing, not whether you are ready for the change. Because the interesting thing about that change is that change is going to come. Whether you are ready, whether you're not ready, the change is going to sweep you. So what you need to be very certain about is change is here. How are we going to walk back from the change and get ourselves, you know what I mean, ready to move? Now, now, when we talk about readiness, let's say we had all the, 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 what they call it, the the luxury of time to prepare and all of that. I would I would have said that the Nigerians were not ready. Or also Nigerians did not know that they were mentally ready for that, even though they may not have been physically ready for that. And what do I mean by that? So I mean when we talk about being physically ready, certain infrastructure where it was not in place in a lot of companies, you know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. like like we'd have expected them to be. You could see companies scrambling now to to put things in place, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Certain companies where they didn't even have Zoom, you know, they didn't have Zoom, they didn't have meetings, you meetings. know what I mean? They just didn't have any of those. Everything was heavily dependent on presence. Yeah. Luckily, just before, not even just before, I, you know, I have come from Shell, and yeah. Shell had for a couple of years, actually, we had come around the concept of presence does not equal work. So it was already... Can you you take that again? Presence does not equal work. That's a mathematical equation. Serious (laughs) one. (laughs) Presence does not equal work. I like that. So the fact that someone is physically in the office doesn't necessarily amount to the fact that the person is doing work that person is required to are going to deliver. So coming into Walter Smith, I already had that at the back of my mind. So Mm. I already was pretty clear about the fact that um, we needed to go this way and we just need to get ourselves ready. So let me not stray let me not stray from the issue of whether we were ready as Nigerians. So in terms of being physically ready, I don't think Nigerians were ready. I don't think Nigerian companies were ready. A lot of them do. A lot of the IOCs and in the oil and gas industry, because of the international IOC influence, they had already something around flexi working, working yeah. from home, having me. So a, a couple of us were already used to that. But in the larger society, I mean, we could see in the way, um, in, in the way a lot of the other 
parts of industry were struggling. Yeah. Even the banks. The smaller businesses now. Yeah, struggled and smaller businesses struggled and all of that. So I would say that Nigerians were not physically ready. However, Nigerians did not know that they were mentally ready for the change. Because if we look around us, we, were, we have been begging for that change. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to, look at how the delivery business has just blown up. You know, exactly, it's just yeah. blown up. We were ready yeah. for it. We, we talk yeah. about the traffic, fiscal traffic situation. It takes two to three hours a day, four hours, five hours for some people. We talk yeah. about the security situation. You know, yeah. we had such we have such huge security situations, particularly in Lagos. You can mm-hmm. be sitting in traffic, there's an attack on some cars, boys yeah. descend, and all sorts of things were going on. But somehow, maybe we just felt we needed to continue working that way, you know, mm. get for 30. I'm talking about Lagos now, because yeah. I live in Lagos. And Lagos is like really it's, it, it, it's in Port, in, in Port Harcourt <laughs> and somehow in Abuja too, the, the situation you're painting now. Yeah. 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 So you, you we, we just thought, you know, it's just that hustle mentality of the average Nigerian. Mm. This is mm. the way life is. Let's push it. Let's push it. And COVID happened. And we suddenly realized, you know what, life can be better. We can exactly. work from home. So um, in terms of Nigeria as a whole, I would say that a lot of there was not a lot of infrastructure, a lot of we're not ready. But in our psyche, I think we're ready for that break. But okay. we just don't know. So COVID just helped us to, you know, trans more or less. COVID was that. the catalyst, more or less creating Honestly, that jump. It's like happens. you don't want to yeah. jump. So I'm gonna I'm gonna set you on fire somehow. So you just need to jump. And you know, we're all jumping as like Yes. I mean, we're free. You know, when you talked about the delivery business in Nigeria, for example, the last two years, we just saw this astronomical increase. Oh, I yeah. Mean, just, you know, everywhere, food business, we can actually now deliver to you. Don't worry in the in the comfort of your home and all that. And Honestly. this has brought about a huge change. Now, oh. consigning the remote working, do you think as a country or should I say the IOCs where you play big and the other organizations do you think we need to approach it from a policy point of view that see we are here now we're seeing the benefits of remote working but we Mm -hmm. need to come up with would I say a legal framework policy wise in really enshrining it in our way of work do you think we need that um, yes, we, I, I say that we need that simply because human beings, for some reason, operate better when you know when, when there's some, some some structure around around you know uh, the guidance of their behavior. That's yeah. that's how laws came to be, and that's how policies and you know guide policies by extension organizations come to be. It's not enough to just leave a lacuna and just say, well, we're working on fire, we're working from home, let everybody just operate the way. No, you would need a structure around it because human beings being human beings, you know, mm-hmm. they can, you know, they can take things to a level that you probably did not even, <laughs> even understand. So yes, exactly. there needs to be, um, I mean, all over the world, there are laws around it, there are laws around how you work, you know, um, virtually and mm-hmm. what virtual working really means from, mm-hmm. from, just from a country perspective, right yeah. down. So one very simple thing, for example, um, you're working virtually, 
where do you pay your tax? So um, if you were to work physically, because working virtually now means that you can live somewhere else and mm-hmm. work somewhere else mm. because you don't need to be physically where you work. Now, normally yeah. your tax is tied to where you physically are, right? Yeah. That's, that's right. how our tax laws are. So yeah. we need to start asking ourselves some real questions uh, with regards, if somebody, for example, is out of the country and is working out of the country, is out of the country, living out of the country, but working in Nigeria, that's a very, it's a stretch of it. Where does he pay his tax? So we, we need to begin to think ahead as a country of how to manage this because it's blowing up in our faces. And if mm. we're not careful, we begin to lose revenue, even yeah. though goods and services are being supplied and being delivered locally. So as yeah. a country, we really need to begin to think of that, you know, and begin to think of, you know, offshore taxing, um, yeah. where people live, how do yeah. you manage your healthcare system? There are so yeah. many other parts that we need to think of, and that's just at the country level as well. Now, yeah. as a policy within an organization, it's also important that you create some structure around it, right? Right. So I'll, I'll just use us as an example. So in Walter Smith, we have what we call our core hours, right? Uh, our core okay. hours. We have a flexi work policy. Flexi work policy basically states that you can work two days out of a week, out of your five days in the week from home, right? Mm-hmm. And even we also have flexibility with regards to when you resume the office and when you leave. Because yes. again, in Lagos, some people live very far. And they are able to come to the office earlier, but need to leave early as well so that it can yeah. get home, you know, exactly. before, to beat the traffic. Yes, before traffic hits. And actually also before night and you know, insecurity begins insecurity. to Insecurity. So yeah. but but in terms of when you resume and when you um you leave work, we have what we call our core hours. What okay. that means. Everybody needs to be seated and be in the office by 10 o'clock and Mm -hmm. from 10 to 3 are what we call our core hours. The reason for that is there's an expectation that team meetings and engagement events would hold within that time. Because you don't want to start holding um, team meetings and engagement events at a time where people are still in their commute because you Mm -hmm. are giving them the flexibility of time. And, you know, so that's another example of a structure. Yeah. Now also another structural piece we're putting is that you you just don't decide as 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 a staff. So okay, this is what I'm going to do. It needs to be approved by your supervisor and your manager as well, because yeah. what happens is that the manager has an overview of how the team is going to work. So mm-hmm. they also know the personalities within the team as well. The yeah. truth is there are some people that do not have the discipline to get up in the morning, sit before a computer, and get their work done if they're at home. And, and you know and do what needs to be done so True. we have left a lot of we have empowered the supervisors and the managers to determine if okay this staff can work from home and what times you think the staff can work from home and by okay. extension to also revoke that approval you have approval you okay the staff you know is um is, is not making the best use you know of the opportunity and the yeah. reason simply for that is um for me these days in a book world flexibility is the name of the game right it's for me right. it's not a hr thing it's not hr pushing this it's okay. us as leaders saying in this company this is what we need mm-hmm. so don't expect hr to always intervene if you are struggling with your staff yeah. just 
make up make up your mind as as a supervisor as a manager and say you know what you in particular i'm not comfortable with the outputs i'm getting from you so i will need you to i think you need some more maturity i need you to be in the office a bit more and what wow. that has helped is to push accountability down, down you know down into the line and into the individuals and everybody's taking personal responsibility and accountability for their to do i hear you say we need a behavioral change to to, to, to see this like permeate into every, should I say, aspect of life. Because our behavior is very important here. Like you said, psychologically in our psyche as Nigerians, I mean, we're ready as in ready to, to jump. You know, the, the atmosphere is already tensed, you know, and all that. But now the structure that it goes back to that point of behavior because you can imagine i sit with my supervisor to determine my work hours okay he looks at me from antecedents like we know you to be this we know you to be this we know you to be that so from working with you over this period my supervisor can determine okay behaviorally i mean i, I trust you more or less i can trust you more with this so that is what i hear from what you're saying like we need to come to that point where trust will not be an issue you know you trust your workforce you trust your employees as the case may be like we know that they can get this done but for us to get to that level of trust it's like we need to work on our behavior that is what i hear you say correct me if i'm wrong yeah yeah so that behavioral change is absolutely important so you see human beings are creatures of habit right yeah if for the last 10 15 20 years in some cases you Mm -hmm. have woken up every morning driven to a particular place worked (laughs) and come back all of a sudden we are telling you you can sleep a little bit more and save your your logistics you know your your commute time or logistics time and yeah. but still you would find that the person needs to kind of mentally adjust you know so it's a behavioral thing i like the other thing you said which is very true it's also a thing of trust yeah. you know um there's there's a concept I, I have come to understand in hr which is basically um to put it simply um trusting trusting your staff you know or your employees as responsible human beings responsible mm. and mature human beings you know those days where hr was the policeman and the, those days are long gone right far far gone so gone if you just stress yourself as, as a hr leader if you think you want to you know regulate and chase up and you know and define every single thing no people in the workplace are adults mm-hmm. so treat them as adults you need to trust that um, they will do what they are supposed to do when they are supposed to do it, whether you're physically seeing them or not. Or not. However, we also do not have a problem withdrawing, you know, <laughs> any sort of privileges from you. It's part of the management of the system. If we yeah. find out for some reason you you are not just, you know, living up to that trust and living up to that expectation and accountability we expect from you. So indeed, yes, it's about changing behaviors, changing the way we think about work. Yeah. And also trusting people as adults and responsible human beings in the workplace. Amazing guys. Oh, we've been talking about remote working in Nigeria. 
I mean, we're blessed to have Tara Hebe here with us, you know, a HR professional, you know, giving us that, should I say, angle we, 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 we thought we knew, but somehow we did it. And you will agree with me, it has been an amazing time. Tara, you, I know you're very busy, you know, taking this, <laughs> you know, this thank time you. to do this with us. We want to say a very big thank you, you know. But yep. before we let you go, before we let you go, what's your... I wouldn't say look into the crystal ball now, but what's your projection? What do you see, say, in the next five years for the HR practice in Nigeria with respect to what we are talking about? What's your projection? Okay. Um, the key word for me is hybrid. And forgive me if I look very excited because it's actually quite quite exciting to me. Uh, and it's a piece of work I'm also looking at and, and working on. It's about hybrid working. So, yeah. and I mean hybrid in every sense of the word, not okay. just about flexibly going into the office and coming out, but mm-hmm. a workforce that is a mix of um, of people who show up at work and people mm-hmm. who completely work 100% off, off site. Okay, off you site. Know? And also yeah. um, people who are part, proper part-time workers, you mm-hmm. know, people who are like... Um, taking advantage or, or a HR organization or an Oxford takes advantage of the gig economy, you know, you know, leverage skills when you want them, letting them go when you don't want them. You you see, I, I find all that is going on really exciting. The world has blown open. Mm-hmm. So people in Nigeria can be doing work in Australia, people in Canada can be doing work in Nigeria, and it's mm-hmm. high time organizations begin to design their work life around these realities. Can you imagine? So in my mind's eye, I see an organization that has individuals that are, they don't show up in the office. That's the mm-hmm. way their contract is. Because you don't yeah. require them to sit at a desk before you and do what they need to do. Exactly. We have people also that show up twice a week. Because mm-hmm. you have looked at the job scope and realized that within those two days, three days, mm-hmm. they can do what I mean by show up as in that's all the work. That's all the work in that time. So yeah. you can have individuals deciding that you know what, I'm working for company A two days, I work for company two, company B two days. I take yeah. one day off for myself and live life, you know, <laughs> the way I want to live it. Then you still have the core team that comes into the office and they come to the office three times a week, two times a week, whatever, yeah. however you decided. Yeah. Then you can also have those who do night shifts. You know, I, I just find that the landscape is really wide for us to do different things. And we can indeed save a lot of money. Simple thing. You have one office building. Sometimes I get concerned when I see organizations scrambling for bigger and bigger offices. You have exactly. one office building. Most offices today run power 24 hours. Meanwhile, several mm-hmm. of those hours, nobody's at work, really. Yep. So are there individuals that would rather come at, at 7 in the evening and go mm-hmm. back home at 7 in the evening? I'm sure mm-hmm. they are. Because mm-hmm. we have seen in other parts of the world people work at night. What does that yeah. do for you? You can reduce your footprint as an organization. Yeah. 
because yeah. you really don't need them to be doing work in the day maybe the kind mm-hmm. of work they do does not yes. necessarily need you know that human interaction maybe they are yeah. running some sort of reports or they are running some scripts or in the oil and gas industry they could even just be running some some logs they don't yeah, really relations yeah exactly so for me when i <laughs> look into the crystal ball as you put it that's what gets me excited <laughs> yeah yeah an organization that is making that is taking maximum use of this you know of this mm. new wave of the way people feel and the way people think and the kind of decisions they want to make people mm. doing different things different times keeping your overheads low keeping your costs tight or keeping your mm. your staff um, engaged honestly that really beautiful. excites me when i think about it beautiful i hope i hope the policy makers and the leaders i mean will embrace this like you are because i am also excited about it because somehow we 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 are seeing a situation where there is in my point of view or from my point of view enough for everybody you know you you you, you just have the situation where you you have okay this person can do this so we can use this person from social time to social time and he or she goes on to do another thing so oh, yeah. this person can do this and all that so somehow we just harness our would i say uh collective differences collective differences exactly yeah. for the perfect scenario you know so you exactly. don't look down on anybody but rather exactly. everybody fits in this exactly collectivity. Exactly. 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 And it provides so many, so much more opportunities for individuals. Individuals can take different kinds of decisions about the kind Mm -hmm. of life they want to live, where they want to live, how they just want to, you know, express their their talents or their gifts in whatever they're doing. I I really believe that it would be so much more enriching for Mm -hmm. the individuals in the organization. And actually, quite powerful for the organization as an employee value proposition as well. Beautiful. The Japanese, the Japanese will say, "Good thinking, good product." So we need to that <laughs> style <laughs> of thinking. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right, thank you so much. I, 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 I mean, we can go on and on and on and on. It's endless. But I know when we call on you again, you know, to come on for us to <laughs> discuss more on, I mean, topical issues like this. You, you would have lagged us that time. We want to sure, say a sure. very, very, very big thank you. I mean, very big thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank thank you. you for your patience. <laughs> on chasing me this long to get this done. And thank mm. you for having me on here. I've really had a good time today. Thank you so Pleasure much. is mine. Pleasure is mine. Guys, we've been discussing with Aria. I mean, Ahibi, she's, she said so much. I think it's just for us to go back, you know, listen, watch it again, listen, watch it again, and, you know, draw from, I mean, our discussion. Because whether we like it or not, like she said, change is here. And the best you can do is to embrace that change. Or rather, as we say it, be the change, you know. Well, you know how we say it on the show. We always come here to lean on one another. To do what? Glean from our experiences to forge your path. Till I come your way again, my name is Amakri. Amakri is away. Bye for now. Harry? Bye. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Beautiful. Before we sign off, I just want to encourage you, yeah, 
It's been a wonderful time. And also, I'd like to hear from you your feedback. You know, you've been listening to the Word Cafe podcast. I would love to hear from you the feedback. If you have any questions, yeah, you go ahead and ask those questions. You can reach me at my email address, amakrigaribaldi at gmail.com. Amakri is A-M-A-C-H-R-O-E-G-A-R-I-B-A-L-D-I at gmail.com. Yeah. And uh, we'll get back. You know how we do it on the show. Thank you. Parts of time it has been with you on the Word Cafe podcast today. Thank you for being there. You can catch me up on my social media handles, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all at Amakri Isoboye. Also, you can get copies of my books, A Cocktail of Words, The Color of Words, and my HR notebook on Amazon and on Robin Heights online bookstores. You can also subscribe to my YouTube page at the same address. Yes, till we see you again. Bye for now.